Hi, I'm Maisie Williams, and you're listening to First Time Thrones. to do it all over again. Ladies and gentlemen, House of the Dragon has started. It's a Game of Thrones show. We're back in Westeros. It's very fun. Jack, how buzzing are you that oh, House of the Dragon has started? Four months in the build-up to this, uh, um, just slowly just creeked up on me. I was like, oh, fuck yes. I'm just so excited to get more Thrones, uh, particularly prequel stuff. Um when they first announced it, I was buzzing. Um, like I said, the, the kind of hiatus uh, from Thrones that I've taken has just went on for far too long. So to have it finally back on is unreal. Uh, and for it to have delivered on the first episode um, just makes it fucking all that sweeter. I'm just buzzing for what's to come. I mean, it's going to be amazing. And I think it has to be addressed, right? Because you can go back and listen in the archives of this very podcast feed. First time Thrones back in day. Our enthusiasm waned as the, as the finale went on, as the uh, final season went on. Do you think, just comparing where your headspace was back then to after this first episode, how much did this first episode just re-inject your love and sort of fire for Game of Thrones? A hundred percent. It go back to what made Thrones so successful. Um, when you think back to the first, arguably four seasons mm. um, of Game of Thrones, when it was just so political, it was all ski, like scheming and conniving, you know? That was just what made it so good. Uh, and those long, long conversations in the like at court or uh, long conversations at mm. you know the table um like the king's table and stuff it's just um yeah it's what makes it really really enthralling at times um you know the battle stuff is all good it's mm. all fighting well when you brought in white walkers and that and the dragons obviously are, are going to be key to this show but they look so much better not- yeah, I mean, it looks great and it's a great additive because it is building a fantasy world, but that's not what makes Game of Thrones, like, for me, uh, personally, I, I just enjoy all the the talking uh, where it's, you know, getting into setting the scene and it becomes all political and start, starting to kind of, start to point fingers about where things are going to go, so. Um, it's, it's like you said so. there about how it's re-injected a lot. It's sort of done for Game of Thrones, for me, what Mandalorian did for Star Wars. And I'm yeah. hoping if our, our conversation on here is as enthusiastic as it was for those first Mandalorian seasons, like we're we're going to be in for a treat, man. Like it's going yeah, to be percent. such a such a good time. But I like the comments leading up to this. The showrunners were like, "We're not making something that's separate or different from the Game of Thrones show. This is very much a continuation. It's in the same world. We're paying sort of tribute to what's come before, and we're playing within those rules." And it's like you say, it's very much the the same feel. But we we're actually going further back in time at the start here than when this show is set. We have the old king Jaehaerys Targaryen, and um, he's got a great council, and he has to pick an heir because all his sort of male heirs are sort of dead. So his eldest grandson is Prince Viserys, and he has his own eldest grandchild, who is Princess. Uh, 
Rainus, I think it's pronounced. I never quite got the yeah, pronunciation of her name. I think it, um, it gets us off to the foot of a theme, I think, that's going to run throughout even the first season of women in this time and the succession and the complications that come yep. with that. Yep. Um, but this is a really good table setting scene, taking us back further in time, just so we can understand and have context for what's happening in the present of House of the Dragon, don't you think? Yeah, no, 100%. Um, the <laughs> the role of women in most medieval fantasy has always been in question and has always uh, come under some criticism, like Game of Thrones did in its early stages. Um with the you know the, the use of brothels and um, yeah. prostitution and stuff, which you know, it, it, sadly, is just part of the world you know, that, that's been created. You know, it's to reflect obviously a a, um, a time in history where these mm. things were were certainly more acceptable. But yeah, to give women strong roles um, again, because we obviously see that throughout Game of Thrones and um, and how strong the women characters do become. Um, yeah. So that can't be forgotten about, but bringing it further back in time, yeah, they, they run the risk of uh, of uh, falling short of that mark and, and try to fill those gaps. But I guess they've picked a great time where mm. this is where it now comes into question, the succession laws that were so, um, so in, in set in stone for obviously centuries. Um, mm. You know, for this, for it even, for a woman to even be considered for uh, as, as, a, as a main claimant, yeah, was probably uh, unheard of. So to bring us back to that point, and and Rainus being uh, the eldest child and having a very valid claim and a very strong claim um, at that, you know, but to still to still lose, it just shows you again, like you know, when will they ever get their justice? When will they ever you know win? Kind of Aye, thing? So, well, it um, seems to be that that's the turning point because, like you said, yeah. there are the complications, like in the world of Game of Thrones, further on, but. Like you think about Sansa Stark, people are like, yeah, Queen of the North, like easy, <laughs> like yeah, dropping yeah. a hat, like, go for this, and then you even had a, a wee lassie, uh, the, the, the main lady of Bear Island, you know what I mean? So it's it was like you're saying, I think this is going to be the sort of turning point of Westeros, uh, very much so, and we'll see that and talk about that more at the end. But um, we get to further on, and there's a triarchy that we, we hear about and it's an alliance formed by the three cities of Essos and it's threatening the kingdom because uh, they want to take over a region. Now, this is basically the main threat of the season and it's going to be something we hear more about, but it's only something we get in the periphery and it's discussed at these sort of small council scenes. Yeah. What, what were your thoughts on the return of the small council? It's very much the small council we knew from back in the days of Game of Thrones, but just different players at the table. So what were your thoughts about the, the scenes here? No, no, I loved it. Again, that's, that's what I was saying. Uh, I actually had forgotten the name for it uh, earlier when I was speaking about it, but yeah, the council council scenes um, are some of the best scenes, um, you know, from Game of Thrones and carrying on into this in season one to get, mm. you know, I think it was like two or three actual um, <laughs> small council meetings and it's just yeah it's great to see how there's already scheming in amongst each other the the looks that they give each other the you know the taking of sides like uh for example the maester and the master of coins seem to be you know with kind of buddies in a way they're sitting next to each other they sort of trust each other in a, in a sort of way and then you've got this colas is it colas i really yeah remember his name I... um, just sitting at the very end of the table certainly very wary of everything um, and I think he'll be a big player, like you said. There's, there's uh, big name players here at the table. Um, 
So see, the these are the guys that we need to keep an eye on for sure. One hundred percent. The sea, the sea snake is his uh, nickname, mm-hmm. uh, Lord Corliss Valarian, and he's he's the most interesting one for me out of the small council that we met so far because he's very much he has this sort of common presence. He's sitting at the other end of the table. You know what I mean? And that's where sort of Tyrion used to sit in opposition to his dad. I'm yeah. just sort of drawing yeah. some visual parallels there. Yeah, um, and I like him, but he's also the most political. And all Hightower calls him out for it later in the episode. At first, he's like, oh, no, no, you can't do that to Damon. That's unfair. Like, he's the one in right line for the throne. And then he sees an opportunity and he brings up, oh, in fact, my wife. You know what I mean? Like, she was concerned like years ago. You know what right. I mean? So I think he's going to be, that that guy's going to be trouble. He's the one that I'm sort of looking at. Um, like, to be honest with you, is the guy who could cause a few issues. Are you thinking that? Or am I just sort of overthinking things? 100%. Here? I'm right in saying that he is. He is Targaryen, uh, like to an extent, or he has. He's there's certainly, um, you know, what's the, what's the what's the analogy? I can't really think of, but because of obviously mm. his wife being that that link, um, he, I think it's actually one of the first lines that says that the dragon is going to take in the dragon. You know, um, yeah. they they knew that that was the fate um, of House Targaryen would only kind of fall to. To their own people, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, it was so eloquently put on the episode. I fucking butchered it there, but um, yeah, I think that's that's for sure where it's going to come from. It'll be a a conflict of interest within um, within the house itself. Not mm. a, you know, not this threat that they've obviously started to sort of pepper in. Um, yeah. the, threat, the threat, of course, will be will take up a majority of the the season, but. Ultimately, I think, um, yeah, it'll be these these names, these players within the small council, players that are, um, like I said, from House Targaryen that will actually, you know, start mm. the sort of fall. Yeah, and there's someone who's not on the small council, who seems to be our sort of main character almost uh, of this season, uh, and that's uh, Rene uh Targaryen. Um, Jenner's is very much sort of, I think, meant to mirror Daenerys in a way, flying the dragon over King's Landing, yeah, uh, and landing in there. What what did you think about her introduction here? And even in the first episode itself, were you sold in her character? Or are you rooting for her? Or you? Uh, yeah, like... I mean, I was a bit, I was a little bit unsure. I was like, um, I mean, I, I guess you're just supposed to root for. You're supposed to, you know, see similar parallels to the young Daenerys that we've seen. Um, at the start of Game of Thrones, yeah, I, I, I thought the scenes were good. I'm, I've yet to kind of make a full opinion on her because there is a lot, obviously, going on. Her relationships nice. with family members and friends are interesting. Um, so I'm interested to see where where they go. Yeah, um, but I, I can't say I'm like rooting for her. I can't say like oh, I want her to be, you know, the next, the Targaryen queen or anything like that. You know, obviously towards the end of the episode they get a, you know. Steering in the right direction, but Aye. yeah, I'm not. I'm not entirely convinced on her um, as a leader or anything like that. So I'm. I'm interested to see where it goes, but I don't really want her to to climb up too high yet. Well, it's, it's I, want her, I want her to have a bit of a struggle first. It's hard to pick your favourites early doors, though, isn't it? You know what I mean? Because we don't know after the first episode, you'd be like, yeah, you know what I mean, like Rob Stark or something like that. You know yeah. what I mean? And then you get to season four, and you're just sort of like, oh, oh. 
Need someone new now. <laughs> like, you're, you're you're hated in season one is now your favourite character. That's sort of works, isn't it? Jamie Lannister effect, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. The Hound as well, the Hound effect. Like, you just think the Hound's a, a fucking dick in the mm. first season. Um, slightly into the second as well, just as his actions, who he serves, you know, you're just a dick. Uh, and then, what a guy. That's one of your faves. Becomes mm-hmm. an absolute highlight of the final few episodes when he battles the mountain but mm-hmm. like, you're talking about Renera's um, relationships with other people there one of her relationships is with uh, Alice and Hightower uh, so that's Otto's daughter um, mm-hmm. he's obviously the hand of the king I got a relationship vibe between these two um, I was watching it with Sweeney and Courtney they also picked up the same vibe what were your thoughts on this is it just like a really strong friendship with these these two gals or is there something else afoot well, that's the thing. You can never truly tell in a, like, I often think in a, in a fantasy world or a, usually things that are set medieval, mm. I, like, I always find that it's quite difficult to pin how, how they should be react, how should be acting, if that makes sense, because yeah. in the day they're setting up a, a fake world where people ride dragons, so everyone's behaviours <laughs> can't, can't really be pinned down to, like, a matter of scenes. I think, you know, that's maybe where they're they're going. I don't know if maybe there's it's maybe not Renera's uh intention, but it's maybe Alison's sort mm. of, you know, almost lust for her. Who knows really? Uh, I, I can't say that I picked up it on it too strongly, but mm. but yeah, I wouldn't be also wouldn't be surprised if there was something like I mean who it's very uncommon for you to just lie down and like rest your head on somebody's thighs, you know. When you're yeah. Studying, uh, is it? It's, <laughs> it's really, actually, like that's yeah. a very close feel. I didn't really get anything else. There wasn't any exchange of looks or anything that was that sus that was would lead me to believe that they're up to anything right now. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one because obviously I think we know that the uh, we get that conversation in Game of Thrones between um, Elena and. Um, What's, what's his name? Tywin. Where Tywin's basically like, I mean, that's outlawed, and she's like, yeah, but everyone's doing it. You know what I mean? So you know that homosexuality is, if Elena Tyrell was to be believed, rife in the Seven Kingdoms. You know what I mean? But we don't know how open, how open it will be, or allowed to be, or how accepting the Targaryens are. A bunch of it, that sort of thing. So just yeah. interesting to see how it, how it sort of all shapes out going forward with that. Um, but the big sort of story that's undergoing in this episode, just like we got a big tournament in season one of Game of Thrones, we get a big tournament here because Viserys, um, he is expecting his heir. Um, he thinks it's going to be a boy. His wife's like, don't be so sh- sure it might not be a boy. And he's like, no, no, it's going to be a boy. And we're going to have a tournament to celebrate the birth of my son. This felt like taking us back, like I said, season one Game of Thrones, Robert era. Game of Thrones. Did you like the the sort of the things at play in the tournament? I no, I love all that. To be fair, uh, one of my favourite sort of medieval set films or fantasy films is um, A Knight's Tale. Oh, um, nice! Obviously, fucking shit ton of tourney in that. Uh, so, nah, I do. I really like that. I like the the jousting. Um, okay. So it was good. Good action. I like that. You've obviously got um, Damon kind of running the show and getting to mm. pick his opponents and and then you get the oh good Tristan Cole Tristan Cole Sir Tristan Cole 
Uh, great, great name. name. It's like a rapper in it. <laughs> oh, mate, it's like a rapper. It's a wrestler. Like it's, it's something. Uh, do you know what I mean? Something yeah, else. I, did, I like David Coleman born obviously and put Damon in his place. I thought uh, it's just really good start to it because I, I get that you're obviously not meant to like Damon, so it's a yeah. sort of a sweet moment uh, for the viewer to be like, yeah, get up, yeah. Um He's also I love their I love the girl's reaction when he takes off his helmet and they're like, oh, he's Dornish. And I'm like, that must yeah, it's definitely the hot region of yeah, the Seven Kingdoms. Exotic <laughs> region, isn't it? We knew, we knew that through what's his face, Pedro Pascal, when he showed Aye. up, it was definitely the Shaggers part of Aye. the Seven Kingdoms. But <laughs> the fact that full of Shaggers. Aye, the fact Aye. that them and the Tyrells are so near each other, man, like, they keep them away. They had to have built a wall. Between to stop all the shagging between those those, those two sets of folks, you know. Yeah, what I mean? So they would only invade just to shag them. <laughs> I think so, mate. I think so. <laughs> but like, can't talk more about the tournament and what's happening without you've mentioned him there. He's the sort of villain of the scene, and he's very much we talked about him being Scar. He is the scar of the show, man. Like, is 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 taking over the phone has now been ruined. Um, by the birth of a son, and he is slinking about. He's no happy about it. That is Prince Damon Targaryen. What do you think about Damon? Because he comes in. A lot of the arguments in the small council are about is Damon like a good ruler? Should he be doing what he's doing? Um, obviously, we re- realise he's now the leader of the Gold Cloaks. He's see that scene where he's running King's Landing with a sort of iron fist um, and trying to clamp down and crime and stuff like that. What did you think about? Damon in this episode were you sold in the character from what you've seen here uh, I mean the character's good uh, I have my doubts about the, the casting because when I first seen it I, like, I never watched Matt Smith's Doctor Who I didn't mm. can't really think of anything I've seen Matt Smith in before so I, I wouldn't say I really rate him as an actor or have any um, back catalogue to refer to but I mm. think he's not the right fit for me that's mm-hmm. far for Damon. There's something like you said there about his kind of scar um, likeness. I am not I'm not buying it really. I just don't yeah. think that he gives off enough for the character Damon. Um, and it's not even that he's playing it badly because I think it's just the, the way the character's been written. Maybe he needs a slight tweak, but I also think I, I would I would like to have been casted better. Um, yeah. Somebody stronger, um, somebody kind of less, like, still ambitious, but, like, less smart. Like, he comes in... Weasley. He's very, very well put together. Mm-hmm. As if he's, like, very, very schemy, whereas, like, I don't know, I kind of had pictured for it, for it to be, like, a bit of a, yeah, a bit of an idiot ambitious, but, like, still leading this army. And being, mm-hmm. uh, still ruling with Iron Fist and being a bit of a, a tyrant, um, a totally. sub-tyrant, you know, under the king. Just we see we see that character um, who showed up played by uh, Sonoya Mizuno, Misaria, um, um, who basically is meant to be. Like, we were talking about it before. Mm-hmm. I think like a, a sort of more influential version of Shay that Tyrion had in Game of Thrones, where yeah. she's she's pulling the strings. And I think that character is more effective if you're right. It's cast as more and played as more of what you're saying, a sort of Gaston, <laughs> Beauty and the Beast style, sort of beefcake coming in, just like, oh, a bit grumpy that he's not getting the respect he deserves, but mm-hmm. that's just the way he does it. And yeah, I, I actually do think at this point, just after one episode, potentially it's been a bit miscast, but 
it might grow and as we don't know what's going to come next yeah. in the season. Because I was getting, like, I don't mind it because I think Matt Smith pulls off the, the Scar vibe and, and that's what I'm saying. I think he, he's coming across like Loki to me. Mm. Like, the yeah, disgruntled kind of younger, uh, younger brother. So, mm. like, disgruntled younger brother uh, with um, the king obviously being Thor in that stance where he's kind of like all high mighties in that position of power. Everybody's sort of got his favour. Uh, and everybody's talking about Damon, saying Damon's done this and this and this, and you know, yeah. it's, just, it's kind of the same way that Marvel, you know, brought in Loki, and he always, mm-hmm. always had a trick up his sleeve. He always does something behind somebody's back um, for his own gain. So I think that's where his ambition comes from, and it's it's fine. Like like I said, it's not putting me off it really. It's just uh, it has confused me slightly with about how I wanted the character to totally. to fit in. Uh, so like you said, yeah, we may well be be sold on it. And if he just keeps up the kind of Loki stuff, I'm not bothered about it. But like like you said, I think the main point is that he, if he was a Loki type character, he wouldn't need an advisor. He wouldn't need somebody to be in his ear. Totally. He no, have it kind of mapped out. You know, he would yeah. have his plan in place. So um, you know, it'll be interesting to see because he's clearly got something that he's wanting to do. Um, mm. And this is where a potential like death of a king um, would would f- fucking throw a big spar in the works because all the point all the fingers would be pointed at Damon, so he would need to be careful. Hundred um, percent. And yeah, then there's certainly other fingers that we pointed a- across the small council. Anyway, so many fingers pointing about the place. Can we get into <laughs> the sort of end game of this episode? I want to give my sort of take on this because I think it's the only misstep of this episode was that birthing scene. And showing it uh, in as much graphic detail as they did. Now, we go back to Game of Thrones, right? And what hooked everyone in and the shock value of it was scenes like this, where it was like heavy sex and violence and brutality. And that's what people were tuning in to see. And that's why it got talked about, right? Yeah. For me, it, it seemed like they did this only to provoke a talking point, especially in the present sort of climate with the sort of, like, abortion laws in America, it being outlawed there, and we see, mm-hmm. like, this woman, like, with no autonomy over her body, basically getting... It's murdered, you know what I mean? She's getting yeah. she's getting murdered so that he can have the birth of his son because he desperately wants a son. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you think I'm being a bit too unfair in the show for that. What's your thoughts on it? Uh, I don't think you're being unfair. I think you're right, and that that's may, may well be where it's put in uh, as a an interesting topic like a topic that if like if I was in his position it is um, there's fathers that have been in that position mm-hmm. um, of course I'm sure they, they try their best to try and have a, a discussion with yeah. the mother like but when she's so full of whatever they've given her the milk of the poppy and stuff and mm-hmm. even in a modern sense you know um all the medication that you'd be on then as well. Like, how do you have that conversation in those mm-hmm. in those vital moments? Um, you know, to save the child because you'd probably ask every mother. Um, you know, would you die mm-hmm. to save your child? They would say yes in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. But yeah. <laughs> when it actually comes down to it, and you're lying on that bed, you know. Fuck knows what kind of decision you make, you know, because it should be up to the women obviously to make that decision. But in this case, yeah. then we have the backwardness of of the historical 
time with yeah. this reset, you know. So hundred percent. Yeah, it's, and it's so, I, such a great area because, like, you can I, can you imagine the guilt that you would feel, and the fact that obviously, you know, yeah. the, the sun doesn't make it is just fucking oh my god. Yeah. But I think it's not even the fact, because that is a plot point, what you're saying there, that's for me fine. I think it was them showing it as much as they did, you know what I mean? Which yeah, they do again for us. And you know, worse, I thought, because I mean, I didn't think it looked all that bad. Like, I don't know. I, cause it, I didn't it, think it was overly gory or, or like, uncomfortable. I, I, I like Saw me. Like, I'll, I'll watch a Saw movie. I'll, I'll watch gore. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Something about this. Like, and I've seen more movies like I, something like this struck a nerve more than yeah, ever. Yeah, that's interesting because, yeah, yeah. I, I said, I, like, it, that scene almost kind of bypassed me. I mean, yeah. Um, I was clenched like, fast. So, like, I, I liked that they were like, you know, obviously seeing sections is is not a, a common thing, and the fact yeah. that I don't know there is there are methods from the, the citadel that you know we've heard of that. So, like, I love that it's like a new thing. Yeah, like, they're just fucking trying <laughs> it. As soon as he said it, though, I was like, I know what he's going to do. Like, I was like, yeah, I mean, there was no doubt he was going to say, stop, like, stop it, please. Um, but say the air because again, again yeah, I don't even know that it's the sun until <laughs> like you say the sun dies um, the the wife dies and we get to the funeral scene and we get the lovely Dracarys we get to hear that again mm. as they get the sort of dragon funeral uh, which was quite cool um, it, switch forward a wee bit right so all mm-hmm. high tower we haven't really talked about him he's the hand of the king yeah. clearly Clearly has an issue with Damon, but what do you think his motivations are? Because he's extremely cold to his daughter. He's basically like, go up there in your mo- dead mom's clothes and go and fuck the king. Is what he tells her. Like, what's this guy's plan? Like, where where does Otto Hightower stand? Uh, I I think he wants to stay close to the king. I think he realizes like. That one, Damon probably wants his position. I think that was actually mm. kind of explicitly said was that Damon's not really after the throne. He wants to be by yeah. the side, um, um, which actually means in his ear, tell him that we do all this fucking shit that nobody wants. Basically, yeah. Um, I don't know because I, I, he's a creepy guy, Hightower, but. Mm. I also do like him. He's coming across like a Baelish, so somebody who you kind of love to hate, almost like you dislike hmm. what he's doing, but he, he just plays it really well. It's very, again, smart, schemey, political. It's, again, what makes Thrones good. So, he's Baelish, um, he's Baelish, right, but he's also Stannis. Like, he's, he's got a bit of Stannis in him. Yeah, I he's think. not as... Uh, yeah, he's, he's, I think he does have more of a heart than, than a Baelish hmm. type. He's not there purely to... Um, Bring destruction, <laughs> uh, yeah. Bring a, a, a calamity uh, to like the families and stuff. Mm. The houses. He's, he's um, yeah. He he's, just he's more like you said with Faris. He's he's obviously got some sort of loyalty to the realm. Uh, is the I think he's I think he sees the perfect opportunity to be like right. The High Tower Dynasty is going to take the Iron Throne basically because he knows that if they had a son together, like. Um, Viserys and Alicent, then the High Tower—they're basically set. You know what I mean? 
by the yeah. relation to the crown. Yeah. So I don't know. It's it's very cold. It makes me stand that way. We get that great scene after it, and I think Sweeney he'll be on next time. But he was singing Paddy Constantine's praises uh, as for series, which I will agree with and will uh, say here that could have been such a one note character because he's sort of like a weak king. Sort of seems a good guy, you know, and they never really survive well in Game of Thrones. But yeah. in all the scenes we've seen him in, he somehow makes that character interesting. And see when he's sitting there and he's doing his wee sort of like a very impressive model of King's London, it has to be said. Yeah. <laughs> like, what an artist this guy is. And he's talking to Alison and he never makes the move on her that maybe you're sort of fearing and expecting he would. Mm-hmm. It shows that character is a good sort of moral king. He's yeah. a very, like, for the most part, he's very troubled over this wanting for a son. Yeah. And we then see immediately regrets his decision. Because we'll get to the scene we want to talk about where they're down in the keeps. They're down in the, the basements of King's Landing mm-hmm. with the dragon skull. And he says to his daughter, turns to Renaria, you're going to be the heir to the throne. And he tells her that the Targaryen secret has been passed throughout the ages. Fucking class, man. The Song of Ice and Fire. What did you make of all this, man? Ah, uh, no, I love that again. Just to, ah, uh, just to completely bring it back to what's to come. Uh, mm. And just, that is that for me was what really tied up the episode. Um and tied together again with Game of Thrones. Like you said, the, the showrunners were like wanting it to be a continuation. Mm. Um, and I think for the majority of the episode, it, it felt, you know, it was Westeros, it was King's Landing, it felt, you know, authentic. But yeah. that, for me, like when he told that story and like the fear that he told that story with, like in a weird way, like he knew he would never live to see that, but like he, like there was this fear of like what is to come and that, yeah, that, like he needs it to go right, you know. If he if his family wants to thrive and survive, he has to do right by everybody, uh, and I think that's where his moral compass comes from. And um, I think that again, that's where he's, he's craving for a son, he wants it, he feels like it's kind of. His bloodline that has to, yeah, continue on. Um, well, ultimately, you know. he's right, you know, and it's not even Daenerys who unites the the kingdom against the White Walkers. It's it's Jon Snow, who's mm-hmm. also a Targaryen. You know what I mean? He yeah. is the one eventually to unite the kingdom. So we know it comes true. We know it happens, uh, yeah. and they and they end up. A few predictions before we finish off. Daemon Targaryen. He is exiled for whatever that of turn. It's a great exile. He's in charge of the bail. Uh, he has to return to his wife. He's bringing his mistress very much along. Right. What do you think his schemes are going to be from the bail? What do you think his, his moves are going to be from that point? Is he going to explicitly go after Renaria? Is he going to explicitly make moves for the crown? Well, or do you think he's fighting his time? This tri- was it a triarchy or something you call it? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. He may well start dipping his toes in that. Um, and I wonder if that it may well just be coincidence because like obviously the trident is uh, a river and then mm. the three estuaries kind of off of the river yeah. uh, down in the sort of middle of Westeros so I don't know if the, the triarchy is meant to sort of I don't know symbolically show where they are located I don't know something like that I was what? in my head I was like oh I wonder if there's any link to that being the trident or anything like that if that's where they're based anyway but who knows but if I think he's certainly going to try and get involved with that and find out what's happening there because he may he may use that 
he may double cross them to to get what he wants. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, yeah. You you go and wind up the king and that, and you know get like this, and then he'll betray them uh, and be the good guy kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and earn favour again. Oh, 100%. Because it's interesting to see who it will be that crosses the ROC. Because this, this, um, this grouping, this alliance, it comes from Essos. It's the three, three cities. Ah, right, um, so I'm trying to think who, the, who they would be at this point. Pentos, maybe one of them. Um, yeah. I can't mind who the other two would be. But, oh, um, what's the, the big fucking one? Uh, I can't remember. We'll get we'll get more warmed up, folks, when we get there. It's a lot to remember. You forget when you've been out again for a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the thing we, we were saying, though. Like, um, and there's probably many viewers that are in a similar boat to us and not wanting to go research it. But then there are all these people who who have already researched this and already yeah. fucking know, like the lineage, the lineage, the family tree. <laughs> Uh, so, like, you know, we're trying to do our best to just avoid the spoilers, aren't we? So, uh, 100%. The other question, we've discussed it in person. Someone pointed out she's like 300 years old. Melisandra, yes or no, she shows up in this show. I don't know. It's a pure rumour. I'm not sure I need it, but I think I would like it. Yeah. yeah. She's a great actress. Like, any scene she was in, she was like, underrated I feel if, if I had to go yes or no my, my guess is no I don't think she is mm. but I, I would like to be ple- pleasantly surprised I think I'm going to see yes it'll be in Essos that's where she'll be yeah it'll be in Essos somewhere but anyway thanks for coming back week one we will be back soon uh, probably in a couple of days because we will uh, watch episode two Monday night and we're just going to record 20 minutes half an hour after that and we'll get our thoughts out and then so yeah, it's good bye from me and from yourself. Yeah, goodbye from you. Yeah,